Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan practice of godly conference or spiritual conversations among believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship. I'm Jeremy Lee, and with me, as always, is my co-host, my sidekick, many other things in in my life, and in for the podcast, Matthew McLaughlin. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, Happy New Year. You too. It's not only a new year, this is the beginning of our third season, um, for anybody who cares. <laughs> um, I mean, we just proceed as usual, but... Uh, uh, we're, this is season number three of Ordinary Fellowship, so we've been doing this for about a year and a half, haven't we? Yep. Yep. So um, we're ready for the new year. We're, we're picking up where we left off at the end of the year. We're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit. And because we're continuing this, our friend uh, Tim Scott is with us from Christ Our Treasure, another collaborative podcast. So hey are you, hey Tim. So are your ratings going in the tank because you're on with us? <laughs> well, that should actually probably I should be asking you that question, right? <laughs> so it's like <laughs> am I driving your driving your podcast listeners away? They're like well, so so far so stinks. Good. Um so we encourage you to uh, listen to Christ Star Treasure, although for now, at least for a little bit, you're gonna be just <laughs> airing the episodes on here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you do have some past episodes that are worth mm-hmm. listening to. So we encourage you to go on there, uh, share it with your friends, like, or subscribe to it. Um, and we encourage you to do the same thing with Ordinary Fellowship. If you have a favorite episode that we've done, share it with your friends, encourage them to pass it on as well. Um, remember, we're not just on we're not just on Spotify and Apple and wherever you can find podcasts. We're also uh, on sermonaudio.com. If you look up Two Rivers, uh, that's the church we belong to. That's the uh, we're we're a ministry of Two Rivers, in fact. Uh, so we're on we are on sermonaudio.com. You can find us there, and actually, more people listen to us there than they listen to us um, through any other place. So we're thankful for our church allowing us to take up their space. <laughs> on sermon audio so a- any other introductory thoughts before we begin the first episode of the season nope all right so today uh we're we're continuing about the holy spirit uh we've talked about who the spirit is both uh in, in other words the person of the spirit uh we've been studying the work of the spirit now which is going to be the bulk of what we're of what we're talking about so uh, we've talked about the Spirit's work in inspiring Scripture. We've talked about His revelation in history, uh, just as Jesus was revealed in history in His incarnation on that first Christmas day. On the first day of Pentecost, the Spirit was historically uh, revealed uh, to God's people on that time. Not that He wasn't spoken of before, uh, in, in the scriptures, but this is when he was manifest, made obvious to everyone at that day of Pentecost. Now, so today, there's really three wor- great works of God. Uh, we have creation and providence and redemption. Today, we're going to look at both creation and providence because they're really pretty similar. Um, 
providence is just God's continuing act of creation to uphold and guide his universe. So they go together pretty well. Any other thoughts, brothers, before we delve deeper? All right. So before we move on, just, just as a way of reminding our listeners, now originally I called this the economic trinity, but since then I've learned that it's probably better to refer to the missions of the persons of the Trinity. So the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit have different missions within God's works, okay? Uh, So the works are, of course, creation, providence, and redemption. We are focusing on the Spirit's work specifically uh, because the Spirit's work is often misunderstood and not valued enough, and we we want everyone to glory in the work of the Spirit just as much as we glory in the work of the Father and Son. And so we want to, not that the Father and Son are irrelevant, <laughs> they, they are really relevant. We're focusing on the Spirit uh, so that we glory just as much in His work as in the work of the other persons of the Trinity. So when, when we talk about the f- redemption, the Father typically is associated with election, The Son is the one who redeems, and the Spirit is the one who applies that work of redemption that Christ purchased. And my favorite example to use, because I think this is a biblical example, is that we say that God is building a temple, which, according to Scripture, He is. Um, The Father then would be the architect. The Son purchases everything necessary to build the temple, and it's the Spirit that actually builds up the temple. And I'll think, I think we'll see as we go through this study that um, the Spirit's work is similar in creation, providence, and redemption. And I'll, I'll try to point that out. So it's, it's, important, it's important to understand the different works of the Trinity so that we can appreciate and see the Spirit's work. Um, Baptists, we're often accused of not believing in the Spirit, but we want to show that we do indeed believe in the Spirit, and His work is invaluable, and we want to glory in that today. We're going to start then with creation. Matthew, you want to read for us first couple verses of Genesis? Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So Genesis 1, Genesis 2 described the creation of the earth. And we already see in the very first verses of the Bible that the Spirit is mentioned. He's seen hovering over the waters. The work of creation, according to the Baptist Catechism, is God's making all things of nothing by the word of his power in the space of six days and all very good. We, what Matthew read in verse one, we see when God first created the universe, it was a formless, lifeless mass with no light. In other words, there was no order or no content. This was the beginning of God's creation. Now, I want to be clear, this wasn't a pre- wasn't some pre-existing thing so that before the beginning of the world, there was God in this stuff that was formless and void. 
this stuff was created by God. And then what we see in the rest of Genesis chapter one is God forming and filling. So he's, he's creating order out of this and then filling his order with all of his creatures. So, and, and we see the Holy Spirit's intimately involved in this, right? Cause he's, he's hovering over the waters. And according to one author, the word hovering is a word that describes birds sitting on eggs in order to warm them so that they hatch. So there's, there's an intimate connection there between the spirit and what's, what's happening in creation. In one sense, I think we could say that the spirit is the closest to creation. Not that God is not that um, he's omnipresent. So he's everywhere present. But the spirit, it, the Father's not spoken of as being hovering over the earth. It's, Christ isn't spoken of as that way, but it's the spirit that's hovering closest to the work of God that's, that's being done. And we see that in redemption too, right? Christ is in heaven at the right hand of the Father, but the spirit's the one who indwells us. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, when we speak of the, the Holy Spirit, I, I think we, we would do a disservice not to um, make him somehow, and, and people do this, wh- whether they mean to or not. Um, and, and a lot of it comes from a lack of knowledge or from a lack of thinking, maybe. Uh, I know, I know um, I've done this probably m- many years ago as, as, you know, as I was just forming my view, which is to sort of make the, make the, the spirit somehow lesser than uh, the the other two persons, and I think it's really important that, that as, as what you're saying is just that that we we understand that the Holy Spirit is is intimately involved in in this work of creation and working this out, um, and and He is the one who, while Christ has has uh, is the agent through whom creation is you know everything is created, it is the Spirit who who is the one that that was as you said hovering over the waters you know, forming, uh, it appears, you know, king out intimately within this chaos order. And so, yeah, I, I think it's important for us to, to not relegate the Holy Spirit's role to some kind of a, a lesser than or minor role in the act of creation. Right. Amen. And I, I think it seems to me, if we go back to the, um, the example of the temple, uh, which again is a biblical example. I didn't think of it on my own. If we go back to the the example of the temple, it's it's the spirit who, anthropomorphically speaking, is get his, getting his hands dirty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not yeah, agree. I'm not trying to say that the father and son are disinterested and not not involved, but but when one but when one person of the trinity works they are all working so right. i mean because it's not it's not as if one person it's not like there's three wills within the trinity there's one will of god so um you've got you know you have each person uh, working as the other as the as as the one works the others are working right and some of this is difficult to explain cuz <laughs> god is infinitely above and be, and he's incomprehensible ultimately so um He's not my best buddy who I can go grab a beer with today. Uh, no, <laughs> I agree. I agree. You're going to trigger 
Matthew's fundamentalist friends. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, you know, and I, I don't mean to be irreverent, but, but you're right. I mean, there, there is, there is so much more to God than what we, than what we often even consider um, that, that we, I think th- this is the, one of the many sins of modern evangelicalism is bringing God down to where he is my best buddy versus seeing him in his complete splendor and glory. Right. And even when the spirit comes down and as as it were, gets his hand dirty. This is not to diminish him um, because God in coming close to his creation is condescending. He's, yeah. he's coming down to us, to, to that level, even when, I mean, then this is before sin. So um, sure. But I mean, then, but even in that word, that the word you just used, if you were to use that word, probably with most people talking about God condescending to us, they're going to raise their eyebrows. Like, what? How dare you say that? <laughs> right. So, so when I, I see the spirit as the one who's actively working to divide the light from the darkness, the waters from the atmosphere, the seas from dry land, I, I see that as the spirit's work primarily because he's the one hovering over the waters. He, he's the one forming and filling everything. He fills the earth space, sea, and sky with all of God's handiwork. It's it's the spirit who's doing that. And one of the things that makes me think of is, you know, you know many today think that everything that's spontaneous is from the spirit. And if it's orderly, then it must be only from man because the spirit's spontaneous. But if I'm right, that it's the spirit making order out of what whatever this is that God originally created it and forming and filling it, then it's the, it's the spirit who is bringing order out of this. Right. And, and so in, in that, when, when Paul then talks about in, in the Corinthian passages where he talks about God, not being the the God of confusion, right? He is, he is making an app, an appeal back directly to the, to the creation, creative work of God. Right. Right. Any other, any other thoughts on the spirit's work in creation? I mean, I, I'm, we're probably just touching the surface here. I, I mean, I, I think, I think the other thing th- just really to see would be, and I know I've already mentioned this, but uh, at least to some degree, you know, that, that the one, the one person of the Trinity is never acting apart from the other. So it is by the father's command that the spirit of God is the one who is creating. Um, and, 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 and Christ is the word that the right. spirit's, the spirit agent through bringing the forth the word, right. word will. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I guess the one other thing, the only thing that I have to say is I think because the spirit's role is similar, uh, whether it's in creation or redemption, that I think it points to his work in redemption as well, because when, when he redeems us, we're, we're, we're the ones who are without form and void. Uh, we, there's no, order we're disordered in our affections in our mind we're disordered in our soul and it's the spirit through his work of regeneration that real and sanctification who reordered reorders us and fills us with the fruits of the spirit so even in even in this act of creation we can we can because we know what the rest of the bible says we can see his work and creation corresponds to his work in redemption as well. 
Yeah, I mean, look at what look at how Paul um, organized his thought in in Galatians 5, 20, 22 and twenty three with the three sets of of uh, three when it came when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit in producing the fruit in contrast to the um, uh, to the works of the flesh, right? So uh, that's what we used to be. This is who we are. You know, this is who 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 we're being made um, and and the fruit being produced in us. So yeah, absolutely, brother. All right, so uh, now let's transition then uh, to the work, God's, the Spirit's work in providence. Again, from the Baptist Catechism, what are God's works of providence? And the answer is God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures in all their actions. So the Catechism divides providence into two primary things. Preserve the preservation of God's creation, and that that's why I said at the beginning that um, that providence is really just a continuation of His work of creation. He's not making new things, but He's preserving what He's already made. And then the other aspect of providence is God governing all His creatures. So um, that's how we'll talk about it. Um, so. We'll talk about preserving first, and, and one of the best places to see God's work of providence is in Psalm 104. Now, the first nine verses seem to me to be talking about his creation, but then after that, it transitions to God's most holy, wise, and powerful preserving of his creation. So, Matthew, I mean... Really, Providence covers verses 10 through 30, but uh, we don't want to read all 20 verses because of time. Uh, so, Matthew, will you read verses 24 through 30 to get a taste of what Scripture says about Providence? Oh, Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable living things both small and great. There go the ships and Leviathan, which you formed to play in it. These, are, these all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. Verse 28 is, is one of my favorite passages in Scripture when it says, when you open your hand, they are filled with good things. It, literally, it's, it's talking about the food chain, right? <laughs> and it, it's God feeding his creatures out of his own hand. How, I mean, talk about condescension. Yeah. He, he's just a gentle father feeding his, his creatures. Um, I, when I think of that, and maybe this is wrong, but I think of um, old men or women who um, will sit and try to feed the squirrels. Tim will remember this when we, when we were in college, uh, there was a goose that was really (laughs) mean and nasty. (laughs) Remember this thing, right? Oh yeah, I remember that thing, man. But he loved Mrs. Sleeker because and Mrs. Sleeker could go down there and feed him by the hand. That's who I think of when I read this verse. 
And I, I think this is a way Mrs. Sleeker was uh, reflecting God's character and how God cares for his creatures. We're the, we're the grouchy gooses. <laughs> but God is so kind and gracious that he feeds us by his hand. Uh, this, this is really a remarkable act of providence um, that we see here. So God, God feeds his creatures um, in earlier sections. Um, it talks about the water cycle, um, the, the rain, and then it evaporates and God sends it back down to water the earth. Verses 19 through 20 and verse 22, uh, right, right before where Matthew read, talks about the orbit of the earth. Uh, in verse 23, uh, it talks about man's work. All of these are in God's hands and he's preserving life until finally what, what Matthew read in verses 27 through 30, we see that all life is dependent on the spirit of God. Um, the spirit is specifically mentioned here in verse 30. When you send forth your spirit, they're created. And when you renew the face and you renew the face of the ground. So, but even when they're talking about God's breath here, um, breath is often, often associated with life and with the spirit in scripture. So um, even that is a hint uh, of the work of the spirit in, in providence here. So all of life can, it wasn't just that God by his spirit created the world and then let it go, but God continues to preserve the world by his spirit till this day by by giving rain, by feeding his creatures, by maintaining the orbit of the planet, by send, sending us to work and, and our life, even our very breath is dependent on the continual preservation of God's spirit. Um, we, this is clear as a bell in Psalm 104. I encourage you to read the whole thing, but, um, we definitely see God's, the Spirit's work of providence here. Yammered on for a while now, so anybody else have anything to say about preservation? Well, no, I mean, other than, you know, this is uh, where we would begin, could very well begin our co a discussion on common grace um, and just how God provides in a fatherly way, not that he's the father of, of all creation or not the father of, of, of all men, but right. he is the, he is the, um, the one who, who does preserve. And, and as um, the gospels say, you know, he makes it rain on the just and the unjust and, and they, well, you know, the way, the way I say it um, is that he's, he's the father of everyone in the sense that he's the creator. He's the father of everyone in, in prov providentially. But as far as redemption go, he's, he is not the father. He's only the father of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Right. So right. there's a sense where, where it's right that God is the father of everyone. If you mean he's the one that created us and provides for us. But if sure. you mean that everyone's right in God's eyes, no, he's not the father of all. Right. So, so you were going to talk about common grace. Well, no, I'm just going to say, I didn't right, mean right. to interrupt yeah, yeah. your. No, no, no. I mean, so, but I mean, that, that's true. I mean, and that's, uh, and, and so when I, 
right? And, and so when I was employing, or when I said that, obviously you're right. That uh, thank you for clarifying that. That I was I was using that in the term of redemption, not in right. the sense of creation. Because you're right. In the sense of creation, I mean, God creates all of us, and you know, it's it's by His hand that each and every person exists. So, um, yeah. But but common grace, you know, is <clears throat> you know, and and as much as I as much as I dislike uh, the Baptist faith and message. Uh, I, I think it does have a good point uh, when it talks about that, you know, in, in this issue of, of redemption, that God is fatherly in his attitude, I think is the way it phrases it toward all men. And so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, God, God cares for the lion. He cares for the, um, the, the lamb. He cares for um, people just in general um, and out of, out of no other, for no other reason than um he is their creator and and it brings him pleasure to do so right he uh he created them in his image and if nothing else he's upholding that image even though it's been distorted and corrupted by sin right there's still the image of day in there right so in this this, well i'm not going to go there we'll we'll leave it at that um but common grace the reason why you bring this up is because it's associated with the work of the spirit, right? Right. Right. So there's common operations of the spirit and, and saving operations of the spirit and um, the common operations of the spirit are common to everyone. Uh, So there's a RC Sproul uh, said, there's a sense in which that all men are influenced by the spirit, but not all men are influenced by the spirit in a saving sense. Right. So, well, yeah, because I mean, think about it. I mean, the, the, because while we're totally depraved, right. None, I don't think any of us here are going to argue against total depravity. Um, it is the spirit. He is the one who ultimately um, keeps a society from completely disintegrating underneath our depravity. You know, he is the one who grants, the grace for good, uh, good things to be promoted in a society. Um, he is the one that uh, you know when when we uh, when we see a society slowly starting to disintegrate, it is um, you know it is because the the father um, has has withdrawn his his hand of blessing through the spirit's work of 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 not allowing that society to completely just disintegrate. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. It is. So he, he is the one that is int- an integral part, even in, in, um, you know, the, the established, um, order of society. Right. So when, when we do see good in cultures and good in societies, that good is the, a result of the work of the spirit. Absolutely. And, and so we can, we can be thankful and grateful for those good things, even if there's a lot of evil surrounding it, because we know the good comes from the, the work of the spirit. And without the work of the spirit, uh, it would be even worse <laughs> Yeah, than what it is. Another thing I want to mention as far as uh, preservation, God preserving his people, is that um, skeptics will often talk about as if God created the world and just wound it up and let it go. Right. But providence is, and, and then they'll disbelieve in miracles because they're saying, well, God's interfering. And if God's interfering, that means the world must be imperfect. And so God had to intervene for some reason because he messed up making the world. So, and I'm not giving a full 
this may not be a very good representation of what what they would say. So don't. Uh, no, but it, it is the heart of what they say. Right, I mean, it, right. it's not the fullness of necessarily what they say, but it is the heart of what they're getting at. Right. So what we're arguing um, and what the scripture is teaching in Psalm 104 is that the work of the spirit, the normal work of the spirit is to preserve creation. So the orbit, of, the continual orbit of the planets around the sun Sorry, flat earthers. Um, <laughs> the continual orbit of the planet around the sun is a result of the work of the spirit. It's his normal way of working. Now, miracles then are got an extraordinary way of God working, right? So yeah. he normally works and, and things are uniform and predictable. He, Pretty much we can guarantee the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Right. Induction, but, right? But that's not because that's not because um, God wound the world up and that's how it's supposed to work. No, it's because the spirit continues to preserve and uphold these things. And every morning he brings the sun up and he works through natural laws uh, like gravity and things like that. Again, sorry, flat earthers. Um, he, he works through those things, but he's not bound by those things. He's not bound by the normal. He can do extraordinary things. He can cause the sun to stop in the sky and stay up extra long. Scientifically, how did that, how do you explain that? I don't know, <laughs> but this is an unusual way of God working, an extraordinary way. God's working, but providence is talking about his ordinary way of working. How does he usually work? And so even when we're studying the natural sciences and things like that, we're actually looking at the work of God, studying the work of the spirit uh, as believers, yeah, right. if we're right. not just discounting that off the top because we're committed to a worldview of naturalism, but uh, we're not committed to that worldview, so if we were to study science, we'd see the handiwork of God in it. So when you study science, when you study economics, when you, even when you study sociology and all those kinds of things, you, you are seeing history, you are seeing the normal work of God and uh, we, the work of the Spirit, in fact. So anything else before we talk about his governing all his creatures and their actions? No, I, I think that covers it pretty well. All right. So um, the, the last thing we want to talk about is the aspect of providence where God governs. Um, it says in Hebrews that Christ upholds all things. Um, this, this word upholds doesn't mean just that he's preserving, but also that he's carrying it to its appointed end. So God's providence isn't just maintaining what he's doing, but there's, there's an end goal. There's a teleos. There's a place that he's going. And Christ, by his spirit, is governing the creation to that, to that ultimate goal. Um, the, so one of the things we need to see is that the spirit is sovereign. You know, we say God is sovereign. The father is sovereign. Christ is sovereign. But the spirit also is sovereign. Uh, one passage that speaks of that is that Acts chapter 13 
in verse 4. We just heard this in church on Sunday, Matthew. Um, This this is the the church in Antioch where the Spirit calls Paul and Barnabas to the work. And this is what it says in verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they were sent down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. The, the work of missions, the gospel work, was brought about by the sovereign work of the Spirit. The Spirit is sending these apostles. He's in charge. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, and this is what was promised in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is that it is the Spirit who comes upon us. It is the Spirit. He is the one who then empowers us to go out and to proclaim the gospel. So you're right. I mean, this is just a, a completion of the promise of God back in Acts 1, 8. Right. And and even the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, there's talk about the gifts are determined by the Spirit. He's the one, he's the one who decides. He's the one who gives the gifts according to his will. So we we see throughout the New Testament, especially because um, while the spirit is in the Old Testament, it's more clear uh, that he's there in the New Testament. Uh, we see clearly in the New Testament that the spirit, also, like the Father and Son, are also is also sovereign. Second uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Um, well, I'll just quote it because I, I know it. Uh, the spirit um, moves the, the prophets to write the scriptures. Mm. So we, we see his governing them in writing the scriptures so that the final product, God's word, was what God would have said if he had said it himself. <laughs> so we see his governance in that. Um, so the spirit is is sovereign, and he, he is sovereign over all of God's acts of creation, and he's, he's working with the Father and the Son to bring the world to the end goal that God has for it, and the, I um, mean, ultimately, that is—I uh, mean, that, that is the um, you know the submission of all things underneath the uh, you know for for all things to be placed in, under the feet of Christ, and at which point you know we are told that Christ will then hand it over to the Father. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, so yeah, absolutely, and and. Again, just like we talked about in creation, in providence, the Spirit's work is similar to what he's doing in redemption because it's the Father who chooses. So the, the Father is the one, as it were, who made the plan. Um, Christ is the one who redeems, and it's the Spirit who accomplishes the Father's plan. Uh, so we, we see that also in his work of providence. The, the father is the one, the planner, the spirit is the one who executes the plan and the spirit brings it all to pass. Um, so we obviously see the work of the spirit, not just in redemption, not just in sanctification, not just in the miraculous gifts that are given in the are spoken about in the new Testament, but we see the Spirit's work in creating the world and continuing to uphold it. And, and because of that, we hopefully will be more cognizant of the Spirit's working. We'll see the Spirit's work, and it will be more evident in our daily lives. Yeah, I mean, and, and that is, I mean, ultimately where, um, 
where I think I think it's a it's a great place for us to go is that and and you even you got by even quoting the excuse me the passage in in Acts thirteen. Now, may be wrong about this, so so do your homework. But I think in Acts thirteen verse three. This is one of the only places in the entire Bible where it specifically says, and the spirit said. Um, And so, I mean, the spirit, of course, not acting apart from the father or the son, but the spirit, again, is is intricately uh, and and, and intimately involved in in what Christ is doing. Uh, And, and, you know, uh, the spirit is is knows the mind of Christ and sets apart. And and says, you know, to to uh, to the church there, uh, you know, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas. Yeah. So, Matthew, have we have we said enough to be practical, or do we need to say more? I think, for the most part, I think one of the things is just when you go back and you think about the fact, back to Ephesians one, where the Spirit is the the down payment as the exercise of redemption so that the work of the spirit is the demonstration that God's going to accomplish what he promises he's going to do. And so we, so it, the spirit is an exercise of the fact that we can have assurance because so when we doubt, we can rest upon the spirit and his, the spirits working in providence to allow ourselves to, have the assurance that the father will accomplish what he promised he's going to do through the son. And, and, you know, that's a great point. And, and, you know, Jeremy, I, I, I know you'll, rem- well, I don't know if you'll remember this class, but um, w- one of the people who really helped help me the most in this, think through this, or at least begin the process of thinking through this in college was John, uh, was uh, John Diddy um, senior. Um, I took him in, uh, you know, I think it was all an old test, an old Testament class and in a mission class, a missiology class. And, and, you know, I really appreciated, <clears throat> I really appreciated his, his emphasis on the spirit because I, I, I do fear, um, like, you know, in the years gone by, I think it was, was it, um, was it Owen or Calvin? I, I don't remember. One of them was called, uh, um, the, um, uh, I, mean, I guess it was Owen because he was called the, the Puritan or of the Holy Spirit or something like that. You, you know what I'm talking about? It was Calvin. He was oh, called the theologian of the Holy oh, Spirit. The theologian. Okay. So, so wrong guy, but, uh, but yeah, so John Calvin, right. And, but, but today I feel like, well, um, and I think you can look around and see uh, the, the spirit, like you, you know, started off, there's two excesses here and we have to be careful of the excess of chaos um, speaking in, you know, speaking just, just in uh, the spirit is just, you know, he's just going to be, you know, instantaneous, spontaneous, chaotic verse versus not talking about the spirit at all. So. Right. Right. Um, I was going to say something, but it's stole your thunder. Yeah. It slipped (laughs) my mind. So I guess we just move on. Well, that's what happens when we get older, Jeremy, (laughs) as we come to a close, may we, be ever grateful for the spirit's work of creation and his continuing work of providence in our lives as he seeks to govern all that he has made. We thank you for listening to this episode of ordinary fellowship podcast ministry of two rivers community church. 
For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and even that dreaded hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast to whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we thank you once again for listening to Ordinary Fellowship, where we're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.